get up and get moving. Stop watching TV and dipping your chips. Hey, what's up, Fire Nation? JLD here with a bonus episode here on EO Fire. We don't do this very often except for our income reports, but I wanted to just flip on the mic here and just kind of talk a free flow of conscious with you because this is a pretty interesting and unique experience. And to give you the full background into why I'm actually calling this my most awkward interview ever, and I truly believe in the over 1,200 interviews that I've done that this is the most awkward interview that I've ever conducted as a host, the most flustered I've been, the most floundering that I've been. Now, I will get into more detail in a second here, but I do want to explain. It's not going to sound like I'm that flustered or I'm floundering that much or it's super awkward. The interview goes off pretty well. You know, there's definitely some points you'll hear me not really at my level that I usually want to be at as a host. But the reality is I was very flustered and floundering in a lot of areas in the pre-interview chat. That's where I really personally feel like I failed as a host. But I want to explain why, because this is going to happen no matter whether you've done one interview, 1,200 interviews, you're just going to have these type of scenarios. And I'm going to give you the full background. So Monday morning, I get an email out of the blue from a publicist, and I get 50 of these a week, and I typically just have to archive them because there's just so many. But this one did say in the title, Gene Simmons of Kiss wants to be on your show. So that caught my eye. So I opened up the email, I read it, and sure enough, that was the case. Gene Simmons wanted to be on my show, or at least his publicist wanted him to be on my show. So I replied to the publicist and said, hey, like when? And she said, how about today? He's available. He's doing interviews. And so I said, okay, let's do this. What time? 10 a.m. Pacific was the time that we locked in. And so I got ready. I had her send the information over, the bullet points about the information. We're going to be talking about his book called Me, Inc. I wanted to be prepared. So I took time. I prepared. I got the interview flow ready. I was rehearsing his bio so I could really just crush it. And I was prepared. You know, I was prepared to, for lack of a better word, (laughs) ignite. And 10 o'clock comes and I'm at my standing desk with my gravity mat below me. I'm ready to go. I'm excited to be like, hey, Gene, how's it going today? And no call. 10.05, no call. 10.10, no call. And I was like, man, this is not going to happen. So I emailed the publicist and said, what's the deal? Um, you know, I have another interview coming up in about 40 minutes. I don't want to sell this one short. And she's like, I don't know. I can't get a hold of Gene. So she said, let's just reschedule this for this coming Thursday. And I said, okay, no big deal. You know, here's a few times I have available and I want to be flexible for Gene because let's be honest, this is Gene Simmons of Kiss. I mean, the longest running reality TV show of all time, Family Jewels with Gene Simmons. And the number one rock band of all time, 100 million records sold, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, wow, I would love to have a conversation with this person. I'll make it happen. And so we scheduled the time for Thursday and I go about my day. I had that one interview that I had scheduled for the day. And then I thought I was done with my quote unquote interviews. So I shut down my recording software and turned off my mixer and put my microphone away and and just kind of started to get into email mode and focusing on the Freedom Journal campaign and other things that I had on my to-do list when at 12.18 p.m. Pacific, my Skype starts ringing. It's an unknown number. And I said, OMG, this is Gene Simmons. And I had this moment where I was like, 
I'm not going to take this call because if I take this call, then I'm not going to be prepared and, and I'll just call him back or I'll, we'll figure out something and, and we'll make it happen and I'll get ready and then I'll, I'll call him back. But it was an unknown number, so I knew I couldn't call it back. And I knew that, you know, this is Gene Simmons. Like he's probably just going to be like, what happened? This is annoying. So I made the gut game time decision to answer the call and I said, uh, John Lee Dumas. And the response was Gene Simmons speaking. And I said, oh, Gene, I'm sorry. Like I was expecting your call a couple hours ago. Can you just give me a couple minutes? is to set my stuff up. And he didn't seem thrilled, but he was like, sure, go for it. So I put the call on mute and I raised my desk. I put my mixer on. I changed the preferences over. I got the recording editing software ready. I mean, it was it was a process. I actually had to, to text my cousin who was in town about to come over to visit me. I was taking her to lunch. I had to say, Sarah, like I'm actually jumping on an interview right now. I'm super sorry. Um, can you just give me 30 minutes and then I'll, I'll get in touch with you. So it was a few things I had to do. I had to go put my sign out front of the door that said, don't knock UPS because I want an interview, all this stuff. And it took about probably 90 seconds. I mean, I was trying to really be fast and I got back on and again, Gene obviously wasn't thrilled by having to sit on dead air for 90 seconds. And I was flustered. Like I pulled up his interview flow, but it had been a while since I had read it. So I just was like, not ready for the interview. I was flustered. I was floundering. I just didn't have that professional air that I wanted to have with Gene Simmons. So he didn't think he was wasting his time with just some dude with a microphone, you know, on Skype. So it was pretty frustrating for me. And I was like, man, I did not make the impression on Gene that I want, but I'm going to try to make the most of it. I pushed through it, hit the record button, launched into my spiel. And we ended up having a pretty interesting 40-ish minutes worth of conversation. Now, to be honest with you, I never fully recovered from just being floundering and flustered and behind the game. I felt like I was just always a little bit behind during this whole interview. So I don't love uh, my side of it. I think Gene had a lot of interesting things to say. Um, I wish I could have played a little more role of the host. So this was by far the most awkward interview I've ever done, specifically the pre-interview part of it. And then even during the interview, again, I just never felt like I was able to reclaim control as the host, which I typically like to do. So I wanted to share this with you as a bonus and kind of explain what I went through to get this Gene Simmons interview, which came out of the blue and to actually make it happen. And the fact that I'm even not super thrilled with it, but I want to share it with you, Fire Nation. And hopefully... Hopefully, the goal here, the hope here is that you will listen to this interview, enjoy it, get some value from it, but you'll really remember this little pre-intro that I gave right here and say, man, no matter like how many interviews you've done, one, 1,200, there's always going to be situations and times when you're not thrilled with what you're doing, when you just have to say, you know, screw it, let's do it. That's the life that we live as entrepreneurs. It's always going to be this way. Let's embrace it. Let's enjoy that. Let's ignite Fire Nation. So without any further ado, Gene Simmons, are you prepared to ignite? You betcha. What's shaking, Fire Nation? JLD here, and I am fired up to bring you our featured guest today, Gene Simmons. Gene, are you prepared to ignite? You betcha. Yes. Gene is the co-founder and lead singer of KISS, a multi-hyphenate entrepreneur and one of the world's most recognized personalities. A multi-platinum recording artist, he's also the author of the New York Times best-selling autobiography, Kiss and Makeup, and has appeared in TV and film, starring in his own show on A&E, Gene Simmons Family Jewels, which was the longest-running celebrity reality show of all time. So Gene, 
take a minute, fill in the gaps from that intro, and give us just a little glimpse of your personal life. Well, I wake up every day, and I try to fill it up as if the good Lord only gave us 24 hours of life. And maybe it's a question for everybody else. If you've only got 24 hours of life, what would you do? Sit on your thumb and wait to die at the end of the day and just watch I Love Lucy reruns or do something grand. You don't make a big splash. Do something. Make the world a better place. Uh, help somebody achieve something. And it's not just a silly idea. There are some flies that only have a 24-hour lifespan. During that time, they reproduce. You know, they do something. Gene, I love that mentality, and I really think when I look back on to the history of entrepreneurs and specifically rock band success stories, a lot of people think that there's a lot of luck involved, but KISS is one of the most successful rock bands, and it's really no accident. So can you kind of share why you think there's no accident that you've seen such success with KISS and then in your really current endeavors? Well, let's look at the record. Today, as you and I are talking KISS is the number one American gold record award-winning champion of all time in all categories for the RIAA. We have more gold records than any other American group. And yes, you can get lucky once. You can win a lottery once. It's really tough to win a lottery over and over again. And we're celebrating our 42nd anniversary now. Uh, World Tour, there's a TV show coming and a uh, Las Vegas show and a cartoon show and a movie and a TV series. I mean, there's an awful lot of activity. And when you walk into somebody's you know, property and you notice what a lovely garden they've got, you go, wow, those are fantastic. All you think about, yeah, that's all you need is sunshine. No, actually, you got to work at it. Even to have a lovely garden, you got to wake up every day, make sure there's water and fertilizer and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And as soon as you take your eye off the ball, it dies. And then you go, you have to start all over again from the bottom up, plant the seeds, babysit it. And business and life is no different, really. One thing that you just got into is about starting over. And I mean, let's be honest, you've sold over 100 million CDs and DVDs worldwide, overseeing 3,000 licensed merchandise firms. You started the longest running celebrity reality television show. I mean, we've, we've heard these things. We know these things and they are amazing. But you just alluded to the fact that you maybe haven't always been going from success to success. So kind of break it down for my listeners, for Fire Nation. What would you consider one of your worst entrepreneurial moments to date. Can you tell us that story? Well, I get, I get worst moments every single day. You know, this idea of success and success. And the biggest entrepreneurs fail all the time. And uh, so does everybody. You know, if you take a look at baseball, and I'm trying to keep it simple because the masses have really aren't equipped to understand stuff because when we go through high school and and so on. There's no class that teaches you what I do and how to succeed and what taxes are and mortgage and so on and so forth. So take a look at the best baseball players. Take a look at the absolute best of all time. Guess what? He's struck out many times more than he's hit the ball. And the best ones, if they're around 300 uh, average, that just means that 70% of the, of the time they failed. So don't worry about failure. It's uh, it's when you hit it out of the park. And 
I, I will fail today at something. I'll try something and I'll fail. And today that'll be the worst failure. But that's okay. You know, that all leads to what doesn't kill you makes you stronger idea. And it's actually a, a point well worth taking. And don't let the bad times affect the good times. Gee, can you just tell us one story of one failure that you, you've recently experienced that maybe we can resonate with as listeners? I was uh, involved uh, as one of the founders of an entity called NGTV, No Good TV. And my, my then partner and I raised, I don't know, about $30 million for it. Wow. It had to do with content and uh, movie stars. And we had Brad Pitt and, and stuff from Tom Cruise, and, you know, the biggest stars. And it looked, and I found a building that, in the middle of Hollywood, that was very reasonable, uh, at about a buck and a half to two bucks per square foot. So it was a real, you know, legal, as they say, steal. And everybody was thrilled, and it would go, and the company failed, you know, went under. And regardless of the best intentions and so on, and I felt terrible, you know, the people that invested in it lost. And sometimes, despite the best intentions and the best talents and so on, not everything succeeds. That was a terrible failure. Gene, you managed a lot of lucrative ventures. You have a professional sports team, a restaurant chain, a record company. Right now, if you just had to choose, which one do you have the most fun running? I have the most fun running the Gene Simmons company. In other words, whatever I'm interested in. If you look at yourself as an LLC, sort of an octopus, if you will, and all the other uh, businesses, whatever there is, as simple offshoots of it, non-crossed, non-cross-collateralized, and each one completely flexible and not dependent on anything else so that whatever wins or doesn't win doesn't affect me, the actual head of it, but all the profits of all the different companies, which are non-cross-collateralized, go up to me. So I think looking at yourself as a company, and by the way, you should, if you're living alone or if you have a, uh, a wife and children or whatever's going on. If you look at yourself, you've got your business, but even at home, you've got to balance the budget, don't you? You've got to have a budget. got to pay taxes, got to pay this, got to pay that. So you yourself are a financial entity, and life itself is also the same thing we all have to deal with. Still waters grow rotten, so you got to keep using that money, which means you got to invest it and all kinds of other motions, and you simply may not have enough time to deal with it, which is why I wrote a book, you know, one of a few of them that I've written. Uh, some have been New York Times bestsellers, and... This newest one that I wrote a year or so ago called Me Inc., Me Incorporated. If you treat yourself as the entity, no matter what it is you actually do for a job, you yourself are the corporation, uh, you'll be much better off. And I tried to write it as a sort of cliff notes. We all had to read Shakespeare um, when we were growing up, and almost all of us had no idea what the hell he was talking about because the language was old English and it was very tough to get through it. So some of us, myself included, got something called Cliff Notes. Cliff Notes were put out by the Cliff Company 
And they, in plain English, in very simple terms, I told you, here's what the story is, here's what the guy meant. Poor Yurik, I knew him well. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> and then it goes through, he goes, oh, I see, et tu brute? Question mark. <laughs> going, et tu brute? What? And then it explains, he goes, you too? Oh. So, me, Inc., simplifies in plain language what everything means. There are no graphs, there are no uh, large bits of information, but it really simplifies the basic notions of business and how ultimately and invariably in other big words like gymnasium, it all comes down to you, or in my case, me, and that you and I and everybody else has an inferred fiduciary duty to myself it's our responsibility to learn how to speak English. Yep, English. I know everybody looked, well, I want to speak Martian or Spanish or French. Yeah, that's nice. But I want it to be blunt, not politically correct. And I wasn't even born in America, so I don't have a horse in this race. No, no, no. You speak English first. It's the language of power. It's the language of money. And you will make more money if you speak English well. And you will make less money the less you speak English. If people can't understand you, Wall Street and everybody else just won't give you a fair shot. How put it this way, and I put it in the book. If Siri can't understand what you're saying, you're effed. That's spelled F U and the rest you can spell out. <laughs> and people are a little bit more politically correct. They won't tell you to your face, you know, you're completely undecipherable, and because of that, I'm going to move on and give somebody else a chance. You know, they'll smile and nod their faces and stuff. And I don't care. I'll tell you to your face. You must learn to speak English. And when I first came to America, nobody could understand what I was saying. I had to learn this language. I had to. You will as well. That's the beginning, by the way. And then that'll give you the keys to access all the other information. And there really is no excuse for failure. But what it also means is failure is okay, because in America, you cannot fail. You can try anything and lose everything, and then you can literally, you cannot fail, remember, because you can declare Chapter 7 or Chapter 11 and start all over again. They won't kill you. Failure is okay. You cannot fail here. The government will just give you another shot, and so will everybody else. Gene, you dropped a lot of what I call value bombs just there. And one thing that I really want to pull out and make sure that you, Fire Nation, our listeners, take with you, because this is so key. Look at yourself as an LLC. I think that phrase is amazing, and we should really be stamping that in our conscious and subconscious going forward. And Gene, I love how you segued into your book, Me, Inc. And I kind of want to ask you a question about this book, because you share a lifetime of field-tested, hard-won business advice, and your goal is to provide readers with the tools that they need to build a social business strategy. So break it down for us. Who should read this book? Who did you have in mind? Anybody can, because it's not a nonsensical business book. You know, the ones that everybody goes out and buys millions of copies of, the 10 steps of success. Well, those are lies. And I'll tell you why. Because if, if all we had to do was follow those 10 steps, we would all be enormously rich. So, and 
my journey is not towards success, isn't going to be the same as yours. There is no one size fits all and there's no sort of application where my journey will be the same as yours. So you've got to generally take notes. So let, let's be really stupid and idiotic. Yeah. Is it better to show up on time? You, you have a job, so you're blessed. Is it better to show up on time or be late? On time. I hope I don't have to go to, well, yeah. Is it better not to look at the clock and, and leave work five minutes, ten minutes after five instead of five minutes or ten minutes before five? Yes. Yeah, we know the answer to that. Because all those, the extras you put in, and I go into it in the book, very, very, uh, well, I don't have, you know, everybody complains, well, I don't have the time, I wish there was more than 24 hours a day. What a load of crap. Mm-hmm. Look, if you're lucky and you have a job, again, you're blessed. So don't quit your day job, and the book goes into it. That's a good idea. I didn't come up with that one. Don't quit your day job. It pays your rent, and it buys you a quarter of milk, and that's great. But take a look at 365-plus days out of the year. You're working, oh, I don't know, five days a week, and that's a lot of time, you say. Well, I say... You get off at five, and from then on until you go to sleep, maybe at midnight, that's free time. Let me see, five until midnight. I know you're traveling, but you can use your brain and make notes. Those are a lot of hours. And then on the weekends, you have two days off. And two days out of the week times 52 weeks is 104 days where you do nothing. Nothing. You watch sports on TV. You dip chips and you let your mind rot. And over the course of years, oh, by the way, in the same year, you've got Christmas and vacations, and I forgot to tie my shoelaces and pregnancy leave and Martin Luther King Day and President's Day. By the time we're done, more days of the year are spent not working than working. And my contention is you should, you should devote all that time to yourself and to starting another entrepreneurial goal. And by the way, that's a stupid French word. Most people can't spell it. It's mispronounced. It's not entrepreneur. It's entrepreneur. It's a very tricky word, and business is tricky, but it shouldn't be. It should be easy. So take a look at your life and all the stupid money you throw out the window when you go to a bar. Yeah, don't do that. When you go to dinner and invite friends and pay for everybody, no, don't do that. Where you go to dinner outside more times than you should because you may not be able to afford it, yeah, don't do that. Buy in bulk, all you know, all those silly things. You can save enormous amounts of money. Don't get, you know, stay straight or high. Don't use drugs. Everything costs money. So you have enormous opportunities, even with, I've got a job, I don't have time to start a second career or third career. No, you've got plenty of time. In fact, you have more time off than you actually work. And before you get filthy rich, I would urge you to work. This idea of being 25 years old and going on vacation is lunacy. I mean, that's fine, but then you can't complain. I, I take almost no vacations on the days off today. I work all the time. So today I'm not really 
doing a nine to five or that kind of thing. But I was up at three forty five a.m. because I had to go to CNN to do an interview, and I was on the air by five fifteen a.m. And then came back, you know, here to the house and started doing more emails, and then you know, shut my eyes for a few hours, two, three hours, and then get up and do more work. So, if you're alive and you're conscious, you should be working. Simple idea. 104 days of watching sports, dipping chips, and letting your mind rot. Fire Nation, that ends. That ends. And Gene, one thing that really kind of stuck out with me with your book, me, Inc., is you provide these in-depth insights via 13 specific principles for success, and these are based on your experiences and your triumphs. Can you talk just about one of those principles with Fire Nation that you think would be really valuable for us to hear? Look, there could be a hundred, or there can be just one. You know, you can simplify everything, because again, the same things don't apply to everybody. So, if you're in business, let's say you're digging for gold and then there are hills. Well, there's a simple idea. You can simplify that work model to keep digging. Even if you found the gold, keep digging. If you didn't find gold, keep digging some more. It's a simple idea. And do you increase, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Oh, I got very lucky. I got a gold out of them there hills. That's great. But... Maybe you were lucky once. Maybe you'll never be lucky again. Keep digging. The harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah, that's a good idea. So I don't want to do the uh, 10 steps of success. Here's the secrets of success, all that stuff, because people don't want to put in the time to do the hard work. And I say, put in the time. I'm sure you're all aware of the, uh, the tipping point, the right place at the right time with the right thing. Yes, indeed. But that's not a shortcut. You still have to put in all the time. And then there's the 10,000-hour principle of, you know, the more time you put into something, then you start to get good and practice makes perfect. Yeah, you'll never be perfect, but yes. And the captains of industry, whether they're Warren Buffett or Bill Gates, and whether you're doing it for philanthropy or just for commerce, the richest of the rich get up every day and go to work. Why shouldn't you? Gene, with me, Inc., you go into depth about your failures within business, you know, from finding the confidence that you need within yourself to actually get started and surrounding yourself with the right people, but also specifically knowing when to pull the plug and when to double down. We love stories. Can you just share one story of a time that you pulled the plug and that really benefited you? Well, yeah, you've got to cut loose anything that... uh negatively impacts your business model and where you can see diminishing returns and so on. And sometimes, by the way, it means hanging in there. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm invested in oil and the price of oil keeps going down, which means I'm losing in that area. But I'm diversified. What that means is you don't put all your eggs in one basket. I didn't come up with that one, but that's a good idea. You know, If you like eggs, why would you put them in one basket? You drop them. <laughs> then you won't have any eggs. Yeah, that's right. In simple terms, life as a diversified portfolio, your life. So anything you depend too much on, if it fails, really affects you. So don't do that. And likewise in business, if you only have one job and one skill and you lose that job, you're 
effed. Remember that F-U word? Yeah, you're, you're really done, which is why I always have a backup. And if you want to be on Wall Street, yeah, that's right, mutual funds. Don't or invest here in biotech, a little here, a little there, so that something will always get bumpy. But hopefully you'll be more than covered and be in the profit margin, and you should be a little bit more than the profit margin than the rate of inflation, because remember, every year money buys you less and less. Not horrifically less and less, but enough that you take notice and you say to your friends, boy, things are getting expensive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's how things work. But also, you're making more money today than you used to 10 years ago, or should be. Minimum wage keeps going up, so you got to stay ahead of that stuff. And, you know, failure, that's okay, I'm telling you. There's a great quote in the book, and each chapter opens up with a quote from a very successful entrepreneur. You know who's failed? Oh, let me see. Many times, Oprah Winfrey, Donald Trump. I know the man, I know the man well enough. He went bankrupt a few times. That's right. His entire business model failed. He changed it a little bit, and then he did very well. And he's now he's worth a few billion dollars. But there were times, oh, about 20 years ago, when he was worth on paper nothing, even though he started off well and did well. and But his, um, look, I'm telling you, you'd be in the company of Henry Ford and the biggest captains of industry who failed. And uh, everyone fails. And there's a great quote by Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan says that he's lost something like 399 games where they depended on him. He's lost X number of world championships. He tried to hit this and he tried to hit that. And in essence, what he says is, and that's what made me successful. Remember that phrase, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You will learn by your failures. You know, we're all born as babies. And uh, the first time, you know, we crawl. And the first time we try to get up, guess what happens? We can't walk. We fall down. That's okay, though. It doesn't kill us. And so you try to get up again, and you will fall down again, and you will continue to fall down until you learn every time you fall down how to stand up a little bit more. And so you stand up, and the first time you stand up, you go, well, I, I'm, I'm a biped. Not quite. And you try to run, and then you fall down. You can't run. Not the first time. And you keep trying it. And the first time you try to ride a bicycle, you fail. And the more times you try, the better you get, and then you finally can. That Jordan quote is epic. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life, and that's why I succeed. So I love that quote, Gene. And when's the time that you've pulled the plug? Sure. On NGTV, this uh, entity that we started at the outset, and I was involved in a... uh, in a huge entity called Cool Springs. <clears throat> it was a life equity strategy entity, and my partners were very, very high-end. And the business model looked completely solid, and it looked like we were going to go places and do things, and we met very high-powered people and CEOs of uh, banking institutions and so on. And 
and because of, you know, to be blunt, because of myself, we were able to get on Bloomberg and everything else. And it's still a great model. And maybe it was too early uh, to launch an, uh, an entity in the business model. So it didn't do well. In either case, I withdrew, I cashed my chips and moved on to other things. But, you know, uh, the more successful you get at something, the easier and the more easily a door will open in something else. Because if you succeed in one area, other people will look at you like, ah, he's a success. Maybe he'll be more than likely to be a success in something because he's already been a success. So, again, I would stress, don't worry about the specifics. Just keep moving and keep getting better every day and keep trying and you will fail and that's okay. I, I keep stressing the failure part of it. Failure means nothing. The first time you ask a girl to go out, she will most likely say no. Maybe <laughs> Not the you, Gene. Just keep trying. Sooner or later, you'll get a yes. Gene, what's the time that you've doubled down in life because you found that, hey, this works? It's really tough to speak in those uh, terms because doubling down is a sort of gambling idea. And yes, there are entrepreneurs who are fearless and do that stuff. So I personally am very conservative and always have been. I'd rather get singles every single time than chance a home run and and uh, you know swing for the fences and uh, risk the chances of striking out. Now, granted, if I'm ahead of the other team by I don't know a few points, you know I can I can uh, I can afford to try to swing for the fences because even if I strike out, I'm still ahead by a few points. But more than likely, you know, nice and steady. Tell you what, I'll make a deal with you right now, okay? Yeah. And and I can afford it. I will give you $10 million, and I can write that check. Only if you, and I'll do that at the end, of, on the 32nd day. 32 days from now, I will give you $10 million, but only if on day one, once the calendar starts for 31 days, in other words, a month, for one, one month, if you give me one penny on the first day, and on the second day, you will be due to pay me two pennies. And on the third day, you have to give me four cents. And on the next day, eight cents. And on the next day, 16 cents. And then, uh, what is that, 32 cents, and then 64 cents, and so on and so forth. Right? Wow. Is it a deal? Well, Gene, because I know how smart of a business guy you are, I'm sure that that compounding is leading somewhere that I don't want to go. <laughs> There's your big $5 word, compounding. That's a great idea. Love that. And the, and the answer is, you'll probably have to pay, I don't know, around $13 million or so. Wow. Even though you're starting with a penny and then two pennies and do the arithmetic. It is shocking. Nothing much happens until the last four or five days of that. But if the rules continue and you can continue to compound, it's amazing. Okay. I love that story. And I think that uh, that might make me a lot of money in the future <laughs> if people take me yeah, up on slow that. Slow and steady. Slow and steady. Just keep moving forward. Remember the, the turtle won the race, not the hare. 
Gene, there's a lot of things that I love about what you've been sharing with Fire Nation and about you as an individual. One of the things that I really have come to admire is that you're lean. Now, I'm not talking about fitness sense, although I'm sure you are, but I'm talking about business sense. You're lean. You have no personal assistance, few handlers, and you strive for as little red tape as possible in life. How do you do it? Well, take a look around you. You know, ever since the invention of the Gutenberg Bible, because remember, before then, the entire world was illiterate. Not really. See, the rich and the powerful, the kings and queens of the world were literate because they had the time, and they didn't want the masses to be educated or literate. So everybody were blithering idiots who basically walked around in the dark and didn't know what they did and believed in superstition and religion and everything else. And so once the Gutenberg Bible opened up, the floodgates opened up, and the Renaissance happened, and then new thought and so on, and then libraries started to come out, and then civilization welcomed democracy. And once you combine democracy, free will, free speech, free everything, and libraries, and now, of course, computers, then for the first time in the history of mankind, regardless of your financial station in life, you can you have the same access to all information as the most rich or the most powerful. And the best part, for free. So, anything you want to find out only needs your time. You can sit in front of your computer, and if you don't have a computer, go to the library. Free! They'll even let you have newspapers. You can read newspapers that come out every day that otherwise you have to pay for, take home books uh, to read as long as you return them. You know, So you have all the access of, of, of mankind's information for free. And the rest is up to you. Remember that you have an inferred fiduciary duty to yourself. It's your responsibility to educate yourself and to get the tools that you need to go and make your dreams come true. And there's just no shortcut, which is why here's a five-page pamphlet. It's called The Ten Secrets of Success. You're going to be doing yourself a lot of harm and, and think that uh, life and business is that simple. It's not. And they're always going to be twists and turns. So I say get as many of these tools, uh, for instance, speaking skills. English was not, I mentioned it, was not my first language. But I had to learn the language in order to access any and all information. I mean, imagine if I land in America and have all the information mankind has ever given us, but I only speak Zimbabwean. Mm. That won't work, will it? So before I get free access to everything, I can just as easily be from Mexico. It's not going to work. Everything gets very ruffled onto the feathers. What are you saying about my country, uh, your country and your culture? Actually, I'm not saying anything. I could give a squat. You're proud of being Mexican. He's proud of being Serbian. And that guy over there is proud of being from Zimbabwe. And they all want to speak their language. Well, that's nice. But unless and if you learn to speak English, which, by the way, you don't have a choice in, you're going back to the Tower of Babel when there was complete chaos, when new, when all the different languages were invented. You don't have a choice. You must learn to speak that and learn to speak. And I say it in the book. It's not politically correct. You won't like it. Learn to speak the language without an accent. Yeah, that pisses off a lot of people. 
I don't remember. I don't have a horse in this race. It's okay. Because you will be judged. I also talk about in the book. You're not supposed to. It's not politically correct, but as soon as you walk in a room and as soon as you open your mouth, how you walk, talk, how you appear, how you go, that's business. Life is business. And when you, when you come in with a resume for a job and you put your resume on the table, the guy with the power to hire you and give you the money to pay your rent and everything else will put the resume aside and say, tell me about yourself. And that's your first gauntlet. That's your trial by fire. And those first few words you open your mouth and say, hopefully in English, will either move your chess piece forward and get you closer to getting that job, or you're going to go right back in line. Gene, within Me, Inc., you talk about the 13 principles and how they're a skeleton key into this world of success and freedom, peace of mind, and most importantly, financial success. So I love what this is all about, and that's why I really wanted to share your story and this book with Fire Nation. So we've been talking about this, but where specifically can we go to check out more about Me, Inc. and, and grab our copy? You can go to It Books. You can go to Amazon. I'm sure they're sold there. Uh, some of the bookstores may still have copies. I urge you to get up every day, and whether you understand it or not, buy the Wall Street Journal. My book talks about that as well. Uh, while you're busy at the newsstand buying fashion magazines and uh, chick magazines and, and magazines about cars and all that stuff, that's great. And if you learn something from there and that furthers your ambitions, that's great too. Learn what's going on in the world. And you don't have to read the full Wall Street Journal. On the left-hand margins, they simplify everything. One or two sentences that talk about the day's politics, the day's this, the day's that. GE Electric has gone down in value or there's a new CEO or something. You may not understand most of it, but every day you learn something that you didn't know yesterday. And that's part and parcel of what it's about. Every day you should be learning stuff because it may spark something. You know, you learn a paragraph about, uh, you know, stamp collection. There was a stamp from Liechtenstein that was just sold for three and a half million dollars. And you go, wait a minute, I used to collect stamps as a kid. I know something about that. Then you read the article and it may open up the doorways of, hey, why can't I start my own stamp collecting or stamp selling uh, this new enterprise from home where I don't have to pay salaries, I don't have to hire people because I know stuff about stamps. Guess what? That's a good idea. So, Gene, you have over 570,000 followers on Twitter, over 380,000 followers on Facebook. I mean, you've obviously taken social media somewhat seriously. So we have about 13 or 14 million on our KISS Facebook site. Wow. So, Gene, Fire Nation is made up of listeners in over 145 countries around the world. And if they wanted to reach out and just thank you for what you shared here today, what would be the best way to do so? Can they tweet you, maybe send you a Facebook? What's the best way? You can certainly tweet and Facebook and all that. If you want a business proposal or something you want to drop me a line, go to info at genesimmons.com. 
Awesome. Well, Fire Nation, we will have a simple click to tweet for you to thank Gene Simmons for coming on EO Fire and just sharing his journey and, of course, what he has going on with Me, Inc. and everything else. And Gene, let's end on fire with a parting piece of guidance from you, and then we'll say goodbye. Get up and get moving. Stop watching TV and dipping your chips. You've got your whole life ahead of you to do better, make more money, provide more for your family, give more to philanthropy, and that means charity. And if you're sitting there watching the ball game a little too long, you're you're wasting your life. Fire Nation, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and you've been hanging out with Gene Simmons and JLD today, so keep up the heat. And Gene, I just want to thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, my friends, we salute you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Okay, good luck. Thanks. Well, there you have it, Fire Nation, a 40-minute conversation with Gene Simmons of KISS, Honestly, I never would have thunk it. It's just one of those things where I still kind of have to pinch myself and say, man, EO Fire, three and a half years ago was nothing. Look where we are now. So take action, Fire Nation. Just go with your passion. Go with your gut. Make things happen. That's what it's all about. As you know, my current passion right now is the Freedom Journal because I know that if you can set and accomplish your number one goal in 100 days, great things can and will happen. So if you've been inspired by this, by anything that I've done, visit thefreedomjournal.com. Check out what we have going on there. If it's before February 5th, you can rock our Kickstarter campaign with gifts, bonuses galore. If it's after February 5th, you can purchase one Freedom Journal, two Freedom Journals, 10 Freedom Journals for your friends, family, loved ones. You can make this happen. Give yourself the gift of accomplishing your number one goal in 100 days. Thefreedomjournal.com. Begin your journey to freedom. Fire Nation, thank you for listening to EO Fire. Visit eofire.com for killer resources, free trainings, and so much more. If you're looking for an all-in-one podcasting solution, allow me to introduce podcast websites. Website hosting, audio hosting, support security backup, all in one. Visit podcastwebsites.com and schedule a call to learn more and ignite.